Greetings and welcome to another edition of Churches Changing. We are a podcast focusing on the way that faith community is morphing in the 21st century um, as we seek to be relevant and connected and a blessing in changing life conditions. I'm Paul Nixon, and I will be your host today. And I am here with my friend, Christine Potter from Topeka, Kansas. Christine is the pastorista of Cafe Quetzal, which is a faith community based in and around a coffee shop on the west side of Topeka. And Christine, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. A pastorista. That's a new one to me, but I think we all get what that is. It has something to do with coffee. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) So I sense that this vision for a new kind of faith community based in and around a coffee shop, Cafe Quetzal, and by the way, Quetzal is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L. It's a bird, I believe, from Central America. How did you choose that as a name for the coffee shop? Well, when we knew we were doing a coffee shop, Really, my first thoughts went to Guatemala, where I've had the best coffee I've ever had in San Juan, the little town of San Juan, where we picked coffee at a co-op. And it's a it was just a beautiful little plantation there. And that is a place where I, along with friends and colleagues and ministry partners, have spent lots of time traveling to um, each year we travel to Guatemala. And we have just uh, experienced God and community in beautiful ways there in Guatemala. And so not only is the coffee uh, beautiful and wonderful, but so are the people. And God is just so evident there to us. So as we thought of this coffee shop idea for a church, that seemed like uh, that place, of course, came to mind. And we wanted to share about that place and that coffee and those people. And the the Kate Saul. It's actually the resplendent Quetzal is particularly the what it's called, <laughs> is their national bird. Oh. And it is a bird that symbolizes freedom for them. And so uh, this space is also has that vision and that that mission for its ministry to free people to come in and be themselves and to explore who they are spiritually and as community. And so that sense of freedom and beauty and wonder that the Kate Saul evokes really just came to life here at the cafe. Is it fair to say that the dream of this ministry began in in Guatemala in mission, or did it begin in Topeka inspired by Guatemala? I think it began in Topeka, inspired by Guatemala. I don't think when I was in Guatemala, I ever thought to myself, hey, I ought to start a coffee shop church. That just, that never, (laughs) never crossed my mind in Guatemala. But for sure, it was, it came to mind right away as the dream started to take shape. So how long has the coffee shop been open at this point? We have been open for one year. We just celebrated our one year anniversary here last Saturday with a big, big party and a bouncy house and lots of coffee and food and, and fun. Well, congratulations. Is, is it unfolding in reality like you imagined or is it a little different? Honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure I had a clear imagination about it. I would say I was, had sort of a flexible <laughs> imagination, but it's everything that I, I think I dreamed it would be. 
It's ministry happening in real time in in a space where you wouldn't necessarily think ministry is happening, but it's a it's a very organic and natural expression of church and and that is that is what I had hoped it would be. So when the locals in Topeka ask you what do you do for a living? What do you tell them? <laughs> I tell them that I run a coffee shop church. A coffee shop church. There we go. Uh-huh. Do they get that or is that a bit of a brain twister? Um, it's it's definitely a bit of a brain twister, especially if you're not in the space. People don't really think of a of hybrid models like this with when they think of church. So when we can get people, you know, when people come into the space and we're able to show to tell them, we sit at tables over here, and this is the chancel area, and we sing songs and we read scripture and we have conversations. It starts to come alive for people and, and they get it. They seem to get it right away when they're in the space. But outside of the space, it doesn't it doesn't quite make sense yet. So we're trying to change that that narrative. So people come and just hang out and drink coffee that are part of the ordinary public. Does everybody that comes in this place know that it's a ministry zone? That's a tricky question. I would be curious to kind of pull people as they leave here. I would say that most people, by the time they leave, know that this is a ministry or a church. We are very intentional about sort of not jumping on people when they walk in the doors and and saying, you know, this is a church and, and sort of proselytizing right away. That this is really meant to be a space where people can step into that encounter if they want to. And so we have a prayer wall that many, if not most people who come in, write a prayer on. And so they see that, they experience that. We have a little nook that we call our prayer nook, and it has a little scripture above it. And it's sort of for meditation for people. And other than that, we have some, you know, we have flyers up. And of course, my business partner, Barb, and I are always engaging people in in the conversation about who we are and what our mission and vision are about. Now, when you describe Barb as your business partner, there's a business side to this, which really, if we're honest, most faith communities, there is a business side. We It takes money and resources and bookkeeping and so forth. But how has the, the business been going alongside the church side of it? Because you've had to learn, I guess, a new business, right? Yeah? <laughs> yes, yes, we have. The business part of it is really... I would say probably in those first few months is what we were most focused on was having a successful business with a good product with, you know, extraordinary hospitality. That is that we just knew that was going to be critical to, to bringing people in, in the first place. And so that business element has been, yes, a huge learning curve. We, you know, received barista training. Neither of us had ever done any kind of barista work before. We had been waitresses before and various types of things like that. But the coffee, all of that was new to us. So we just kind of surrounded ourselves with people who have been in the industry for a long time and people who are doing similar things and have just learned a lot. And now it feels like we've been doing it for a lot longer than a year sometimes. So it's interesting how you, you're creating sort of a platform, it would it would seem, for good things to happen, for spiritual conversation and discipleship and so forth. But I think 
and, and the platform has to be sustainable. And I'm guessing that the business is moving toward financial sustainability so that the ministry can be freed to do its thing without constantly worrying if there won't be money for it. Is that? Yes, that is, that is the goal. We have a really seven year plan that, that gets us sustainable within five years if we, if we stay on course. So we feel positive about how we're doing at this point. And right now we have some support from new church development that's helping us until we are able to get to that sustainability point. And we're so grateful for that because that enables us to, to do the work and, and not be in a lot of debt. Now you had, you, you've worked with coaches as you got started in this ministry and you had two different kinds of coaches. You had a, a coach that was helping you think about ministry development and you had a business coach. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I actually, I would say I, I had probably at one point had like five coaches okay. <laughs> for different things. But yeah, my two, my two main coaching contacts were, were, yeah, the ministry with you. And then I reached out to our local small business development center and told them about what we were starting here and got connected with a small business coach and just went through. He was very helpful in helping me develop a business plan and really work through those numbers and look at the logistics of, you know, uh, similar business models, not really coffee shop church, but he was able to really help me with the coffee shop part of it. So that was, that was extremely helpful. And someone, I guess, had to help you learn how to make coffee then as well. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We, so Deborah McKnight at the Urban Abbey in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh Uh-huh. We, I connected with her and actually did did quite a bit of coaching with her as well. She has a, a similar model there. And so she invited us to come down and be trained on their machines and everything there. And then from there, we just, we did a lot of research and then did some additional training after that. But yes, we definitely had to get all that barista training. You bet. So what is a day in your life as a pastorista at Cafe Kate's All? <laughs> uh, so that's a really interesting question, as I'm sure anybody would, any pastor would probably say anyway. But every, I would say every day really is is different than any of the others. We have some days that are just swamped, and we have customers flowing in, lots of opportunities for conversation with people's. There are some days when we have uh, several groups that come and gather in our space. We have grief groups that come here. We have book studies. We have people come to do yoga in our space. So you might see any any kinds of groups come in and out of the space on any given day. Some days are slower in terms of traffic, just as any retail space would be. And those, those times, we do a lot of that administrative stuff that any church would do, except for it looks a little bit different because it's less about buildings and more about coffee and, you know, the retail elements. We spend time baking and cooking and visioning, and uh, it's all kind of built in together. And then there are, you know, at least a couple days of the week where all of that is, is shuffled and juggled along with writing a sermon while I'm here bouncing around talking to people and, and trying to catch some things onto, onto paper. So every day is different. I was about to ask you about the sermon part. I was going to ask you if you preached. 
and I would presume that's on Sunday, but tell us what it's like. How do you do the gospel in 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 a in a gathering at Cafe Katesall? What's that look like? Yeah. So Sunday morning we do meet on Sunday mornings for Coffee Church and we meet from 10 to 11 in the morning and we just Everybody sits at, the whole space could be used, and some people sit over at the high tops and others sit down at the low tops. And so everybody's at circular tables together, eating and drinking coffee. And we play guitar and mandolin and piano and do some, you know, acoustic music that's usually a mix between what would be considered secular and sacred music. And we kind of do a blend We always have a table conversation before we read scripture so that people can kind of engage in the theme for themselves and how how they've seen it in their lives before they hear the scripture. And then we read scripture, always read a scripture. And then about every other week, maybe a little bit more often than that, I preach a sermon. And I would say it's not that different than how I would preach a sermon in a big church, except for that it's more interactive. So people are, you know, they'll shout out a question while I'm talking or they'll, you know, raise their hand or or I might ask them a question and have them do something while I'm while I'm talking and we're exploring. So sermons can be kind of more interactive that way, which is really meaningful. And then on the weeks that I don't preach, we I have a teaching background as well. So I believe strongly in sort of transformative learning. So we do a lot of sort of hands-on stuff and have them do some exploratory stuff with scripture. And yeah, just it's very interactive, whatever, whatever the case is and whatever the week is. And so during that hour, we do some kind of typical churchy stuff and we do some not so typical churchy stuff. Communion is one thing that we do every week, actually, here at the cafe. Wasn't sure how that was going to feel to the community, but we didn't do it one week and they were very upset with me about it. (laughs) So we do communion every week. And I think it communion just makes sense to people. We talk about Jesus sitting at tables with people when he was walking on this earth and people can visualize it because we're sitting around tables with, with food and drink and it just takes on kind of a new life and meaning here in the cafe space when we do communion. So that's been that's been a really meaningful part of our of our worship services. Sometimes church planters are surprised by the people that show up um, to gatherings to worship services. They may be a little different than the demographic maybe that the ministry was designed for or the people that they expected. Have you been surprised anyway by the people who hang around and are becoming church in the middle of all this? Or are are they the ones you thought all along that you would get? I might be a little surprised just because, like pleasantly surprised. The people that are coming are the people that I was hoping would come. The people who largely, they're the people who aren't comfortable walking into a steepled building that is a traditional church. Or they're people who just have a lot of questions and maybe don't feel like other people see them as good Christians, but they're accepted here for their questions. And so that's really, that is really the population of people we we were trying to reach. And I think, yes, I've been pleasantly surprised that that does seem to be who we are reaching here. So as you've gotten to know this population, 
Do you have a sense in those conversations of what it is about conventional churches that makes them uncomfortable or apprehensive, suspicious or whatever? I think for most of the people that I've been able to have conversations with about this, it's it's come down to either church doctrine okay. that they could not come to terms with and were sort of felt like they were made to feel guilty for having, you know, for diverging from that doctrine okay. in their mind or having even having questions about it. And then there are others who have been more, I would, I would say sort of attacked by probably well-meaning Christians who have a very specific way of believing, you know, you are to be saved or you are to act or you are to be Christian. And they've, they've just been verbally, they've been verbally hurt by, by people that they trusted and thought they were in deep, meaningful relationship with. I would presume that the conversational nature of your gathering helps people to sort of work through their suspicions, their questions, and to get comfortable. Has that been your experience? Yes. Yes, it really, really does. That that has probably been the most surprising thing to me of this whole adventure, the way that table conversations. So again, as a past teacher, you couldn't always get students to have good, meaningful conversations in a small group, you know? So I was, I was leery about how well that would happen in this space and whether people would be able to be vulnerable and to share. And it just, it, it has been so much more than I thought it would be in that way. And so I just feel like that what people share at tables sometimes brings out the most fruitfulness of the whole worship experience. So this kind of ministry must feel very different than earlier assignments that you had when you were working in a more conventional space. If you were just to say, what's one big difference in terms of your experience leading in this way versus the the traditional pastoral role, what would it be? Um, one of the big differences is I feel like in my past church experiences, I've been at larger churches. And so this may be particular to larger churches, but I feel like I spent a lot of time doing administrative things and sort of managing staff of of the church. And ministry did not happen so naturally in those spaces. It was very programmatic. And that was that was the way of church to have lots of programs. And so that those things have been quite different here. I spend a lot more time having conversations with people and not managing people. And, and also a lot more time just sort of being in ministry together and not having to have a program for it, which is, I've, I've really enjoyed that. So as the community is emerging, and, and they, they sort of do that at first, they're, it's a little bit cool, and then they warm up to one another, and then they sort of become a group or even a church. What does that look like here from a year ago to now today? How is the community coming together? How are they growing up? Yeah, I, well, first of all, when I think about community in terms of this space, we really have kind of several different communities that are forming. Okay, We have the community of people who come throughout the week who, who never come on a Sunday and we have community of people who come from 
other places throughout Topeka and bring sort of meetings and those kinds of things. And then we have our, our church community that comes on Sundays. And really, to me, those communities are all connected, but they have their own shape as well. So specifically the faith community, the, the coffee church community has really, we have taken a journey through the scriptures starting in Genesis. And we're in this week, we're in the gospel of John. So we've, we've kind of just gone step by step through, through the scriptures together. So we've kind of grown in our knowledge of scripture together. And then we've, I would say we've grown in our understanding of, of what the mission and the vision of this place is and the desire to bring more people in. And I really feel like, like we're starting to see leadership emerge from within the community as well. We have a, a couple of small groups that have been started by a couple of people who attend Coffee Church very regularly, and those have sort of blossomed into their own their own groups. So we just we really have matured quite a bit in a in a year in our I think in our understanding of who we are. And you launched in a pandemic. Did that <laughs> slow things down at all? I mean. Yes, I I think it did. I, we, you know, we really thought we were kind of coming in at the tail end of the pandemic and that clearly was not the case. And so that, I think that definitely hurt business. We would, we would notice there would be times when there just, nobody was in because we were all in the, you know, practically in the red. How do you keep going as a retail space when that's happening? How do you keep worshiping in person? Because Coffee shop church does not translate, at least at this point, does not translate well uh, to virtual. Ah, okay. Because it's so experiential and it's yes. so, you're sitting at the table. So, you know, that that may be something we have to look at as, you know, all churches have kind of really expanded that way. But for us, so far, we have not, we've not had that. So for sure, the pandemic, I think probably sewed us down. So I think, you know our one year anniversary celebration was even a little sweeter because of that. So, Well, over the years, as I've talked with the churches that have started coffee shops, they've learned that it's not necessarily an easy business. It's not a business with an enormous profit margin. And a lot of small businesses like this fail. This one seems like you've, you've, you've started with great planning input from people that know how to develop business as well as thinking through the development of the ministry. It looks like you're on a good track. You, you, you certainly know more now than you did a year ago, you know, but what words of advice would you have for others who might want to start a ministry that is wrapped up with a coffee shop? <laughs> um call me and let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> I nothing has been more beneficial than talking to people who, you know, again, Deborah McKnight, also talking with Mike Bogman at Mission at in Union, Dallas. Union Coffee. Union, sorry. Yeah. Yes, Union in Dallas to just I cannot under undersell the value of talking with people who understand the model. I would also say it is it is not easy. That is true. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. And it is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It it will not be like anything you've ever done before. And if you're a person who is a risk taker and 
uh, wants to do creative things that are outside of the box, our church, the church needs this. I think our our spiritual calling needs needs more of this kind of a thing. Maybe it's not maybe it's not the only coffee shops, but <laughs> that's the vision I saw. So, but just connect with people and get as much information as you can about what you're getting into and be ready for kind of a, a crazy, wonderful ride. If we're in Topeka, how can we find Cafe Quetzal? Well, you can Google us. We'll pop up on Google. We are at 2111 Southwest Bell Avenue, Suites A and B. And we also, if you can find lots of information about us on our Facebook page and on our website. Our website is cafekatesaltopeka.com. And that's Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L, the Katesall, Cafe Katesall. All right. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I imagine there's a lot of people interested in this kind of platform for ministry. I imagine you're going to hear from some folks. We just want to celebrate that you're year in and you're kind of on track. Things are developing. And it's exciting to see new kinds of faith community emerging. And we're we just want to celebrate Christine and that you found <laughs> that you have found a ministry that's that is satisfying. And so as you think about fruitfulness in this work, what what are you looking to happen as a result of this? What's the what's the sort of the end game or the the change that Cafe Catesall wants to be in the world or in the lives of people? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think for me, when I look for fruitfulness, I'm looking for stories of transformation that are happening when people are either in this space or are encountering Cafe Kate Saul ministry. We keep a notebook of, of just stories of encounters and, and conversations that we have with people. We just, we just want to be part of the Holy Spirit moving in creative and expansive ways in the world. And we feel like Cafe Kate Saul is, is possibly just a one little way that we can participate in that happening uh, in God's work. So that's the fruit. Well, it's a beautiful thing. And we thank you in the in the busyness of a day. It was the middle of the day when we recorded this. And I know that it was hopping and popping. We thank you for um, pulling yourself away from the the all the action to visit with us for a little while. Well, thank you so much. I had a great time visiting with you today and blessings to you. You are so welcome. I'm Paul Nixon. This is the Church is Changing podcast. I am visiting today with Christine Potter, who is the pastorista of Cafe Quetzal in Topeka. Church is Changing is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Church is Changing podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.